Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by author and poet Jessica McHugh to match up horror books with some of our favorite musicals. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yay. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Like this, as soon as this idea started percolating, percolating I was just like, this is going to be the best time ever. These are two of my favorite topics in the whole world. So. Yes, I love doing read-alike episodes. And I know we had kind of bounced a few ideas back and forth. Like, okay, what about this? And I'm like, I don't know if I can think of enough for that. Okay, what about this? And then we finally both decided on this. And I'm like, yes, I am very yeah. excited to geek out about this. And yeah, I love nothing more than when it's like a read-alike episode and I just have to like immerse myself in something and be like, and what what is the perfect match yes. for this? For yes. This? What can I, I match it up with? And I definitely bounced around a couple things where I was just like, I just really want this to work. <laughs> but like, like I went back and forth on a couple and I'm like, mm. <laughs> but it made me think that maybe we need mashups of those. Mm. Maybe they're not alike enough but mashed up could make something truly amazing. Annihilation and Little Shop of Horrors, just saying. Oh, okay. (laughs) I am interested in this line of thinking, so I want to hear more about this. (laughs) I know there was a few where I'm like, maybe I just want space to talk about this. And then I started putting like rules on myself and I'm like, no, because originally I was going to say no musicals that are based off of already existing properties. And I'm like, no, but I want to talk about Heather. Yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was like, I kept uh, associating things with American Psycho, the musical. And I was just like, wait, it's American Psycho. Yeah, that's already a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no rules. No Broadway rules. breaks all the rules anyway. Yeah. So let's, this is Outback Steakhouse rules. No rules. Just right. <laughs> no, that's right. Oh my God. Well, first of all, you are currently, we were speaking before this, you're currently working on your third entry in the Rabbits in the Garden trilogy. Yes. Yes. It is. Um, it's, it's been very wild <laughs> because uh, I was telling you, I, I, I feel like I have to get everything perfect, tie up every loose end. Um, this is a trilogy that starts in uh, 1953 um, <laughs> and then it's ending in 1982. Oh, so wow. there's, there's a lot of ground to cover. There's a, there's a lot of loose ends to tie up. And I kind of, when I was starting to write, it was getting a little too bound up about that. Just scared to make any mistakes. And I was talking to Haley Piper and she said, you know, make mistakes, go wild, follow your impulses. This is the third book. You know, I, I should have fun writing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I have fun when I don't, think about what anybody care, you know, what anyone thinks about me. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's going to be weird to say goodbye to these characters though. These, oh, yeah, these sure. very strong bonkers women that I have taken through decades together. And what I really love about this trilogy is the first one rabbits in the garden is in the fifties. So it's kind of like fifties madhouse. The second book is seventies cult horror and then the third book is 1980s glam metal horror. Ooh, so, okay. and I tried to kind of write them all in the the decade that their fiction kind of was blossoming or most popular. So I, I've been having a lot of fun doing that. Oh, I love the sound of that. All right. So talking about getting like stressed about it, do you worry about the anachronisms when you're writing I guess because you're writing in like three different decades I I definitely worry about that I I when rabbits came out I definitely got reviews that were like condoms weren't readily available at this time and I was just like I mean maybe not for you I like I talked I definitely talked to people about these things there were there were just a lot of things that people were like well I didn't experience this at that time period and I'm like well that doesn't mean it didn't happen but uh, again, I, I've kind of just loosened up and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't care anymore. Um, in, the, in the first book, and yeah, it's been out for a long time. It was originally published in 2011, I believe. So I don't think I'm spoiling anything but, um, too much. But in Rabbits in the Garden, Taunton Asylum is a real, was a real place in Massachusetts. Lizzie Borden was incarcerated there temporarily. So all that is, is real um, or factual. Uh, the asylum did burn down 
it just didn't happen in the time period of the book. Mm -hmm. It happened much later. So I'm kind of like using things and mixing them around and whatever. Um, in, in the third book, there's something, uh, there we were in Framingham's uh, state prison in uh, in the 80s and at that time in the beginning of the 80s there was something it was like an in prisoner program used to help them gain job skills and that and it was called the and I'm not making up this name I tried to rename it but it's just too perfect computer systems <laughs> that's I what that, <laughs> I love that they really wanted to be clever with it yeah like, you know what this needs <laughs> yeah it was a real thing and um I really did try to think of something else uh because I'm gonna move that a little bit around in time but in the 80s uh Framingham State Prison was raided because they believed the the prisoners were using um computer systems to um gam- gam- gamble and launder money and stuff it was actually the people running the program that were all doing it but um the uh Cops and FBI, everything, use this as an excuse to raid the prison, assault the women, videotape it all. Wow. All of that really happened. Um, it was a co-ed prison. In the Under the cover of night, they removed all the male prisoners so they could go in and do whatever they wanted to the women in the prison. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrific. Um, so there are things that actually happen. Um, in these books, I'm just kind of moving or moving them around a bit. So I'm sure there were, because I'm writing a lot of 80s prison stuff, I'm sure there are going to be some people that were like, that's not right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, in my I'm, doing, I do, I'm doing the best I can here. <laughs> Which is all we can ask for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I also mentioned one of your Blackout Poetry collections on the show before that I love those and how much time does it take because you not only like make the poem but you make those pages like a work of art there's like doodles and (laughs) yeah I'm with little women I did big sculptural things too that I had to like um hire my friend who's a photographer to take pictures um so uh, the quiet ways I destroy you was definitely the longest that that took a long time it took me about uh, I think five months to write all the poems because I'll, I'll find all the poems first. And that one had 155, but I really found about 200 and then wow. wrote them, you know, typed them all out, went through them all, picked out the things that worked, what didn't. Um, from there, I think I probably kept about 160 to 170. And then I start mm-hmm. making the art. I did them section by section with that one you know with with complex acts in the life and strangeness I just did them willy-nilly kind of but I divided everything into parts because I had a very clear storyline for uh quiet ways I destroy you or try to um (laughs) so then I made all the art uh for each one and then had to cut more finished pieces um as I put everything in order so I think that one all told I remember I started finding the poems in 2021 in the summer of 2021 um and I think I started them in spring of 2022 or or, yeah uh, making the the art for them and I had given myself until January so I was like I should I can make five to six a week I mean I'm counting sickness and holidays and me being exhausted so I had a very kind of clear thing and I ended up hitting my deadline uh I think a couple days before Christmas so it was like six months of, of work uh, on just the art alone. And then we had to take all the pictures, <laughs> had to put everything in order. So it was definitely over, over a year of work that, you know, wow. strange, strange nest took me. I wrote all the, all the poems in the, in the month that my brother passed away. Cause that, that collection was such a, a reflection of that event. So, and I think I did the art over the next three months. So that one was, was very quick and well, yeah. I didn't plan it. <laughs> at all clearly i know there was like a group of people at CircleCon that were like watching you like <laughs> you went in real time at the bar like we get to watch yeah. it happen watch the process in person that was that was wild to me <laughs> because i mean yeah it was it was so cool and everyone just find one a next word and then i'm like okay got it and i read it and everyone's like oh my yes yes <laughs> it was, that was uh that was a little bit of a confidence booster there for nice. sure 
Yeah, that's I'm when I was sure. I was working on yeah my next collection, which is a uh, erotic horror inspired by Wuthering Heights. I'm very excited about that. It's fun. I've I'm writing it in play format, so um, mm. all the poems are actual conversations between the characters, and it's mm. it's very uh, a lot of like ghostly soliloquies and and stuff like that. So it's it's gonna be fun. I think it's already way more challenging than anything before, but that's the game. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. (laughs) Well, going back to our theme of musical theater, Mm -hmm. what is your relationship to the art, the genre Um, of musical theater? Yeah, it's always been in my life. Um, My mom was a fan of musicals. So uh, we definitely watched a lot of um, The King and I. uh, And yeah, The King and I, My Fair Lady. we, lo- we liked a lot of Deborah Carr, and Deborah Carr sang in a lot of her um, movies. Well, well, it was uh, Marnie Nixon was the actual, the ghost singer that did the yeah. voice of Deborah Carr and Audrey Hepburn and, you know, some of these other actresses. Um, but uh, A Fair to Remember, they're singing in that, and I, I always love singing along with that. So uh, she would take me to dinner theaters, and, you know, anytime uh, there was like a musical, like a high school musical or something like that. We would go to it. Like my favorite yeah. or my first like theater experience was like a musical version of Dracula. Oh. Um, so it was just like, just kind of like singing like, oh no, he's going to get me. And I'm in the audience being like, can he? Um, <laughs> I remember the, dra- the, the guy playing Dracula ran out in the audience and grabbed a girl and like rushed her away. And I was like, me? <laughs> I volunteers tribute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like a little, I saw a little shop of horrors um, on stage when I was in middle school. And from that point on, I was like, I have to be Audrey in little shop of horrors before like my musical theater career is through. And I got to be Audrey <laughs> junior year <laughs> and it was the greatest. And I got eaten by the plant. <laughs> it was, that was just very uncomfortable though. <laughs> But yeah, I the dream. Yeah, no, it was it was the greatest time ever. Um, I was also in uh, show choir, so uh, I did a lot of musical performances, and uh, like we performed at Carnegie Hall in uh, in competitions and stuff like that. So I have always been a a way too loud <laughs> musical girl. <laughs> I was telling you earlier. I'm like I'm a fan. I did do choir in in middle school I was more my best friends were like theater and choir people and I did swimming but I've yeah I've loved musicals for a long time I think the first one I ever saw was the movie Annie was like uh-huh. first, oh yeah sure uh probably definitely exposure. saw that very yeah. early yeah and I was like why do I more identify with like the sleazy <laughs> yeah, yeah oh um, that it was another one I always wanted to play oh, really that bad. would be so fun yeah because I, I really don't like children so I think it would be really <laughs> authentic <laughs> my first like live performance my dad took me to dinner theater and we saw my fair lady yeah and I was like 12 Oh, I love I, that one I so do. much. I, I mean, it's, ugh, Henry Higgins. I mean, he's just the worst dude, but like, man, you can't help but love him. <laughs> Teach me things, sir. <laughs> but I mean, it was it, that and um, the only one that my mom didn't like that I used to watch all the time was Camelot. Yeah. I really liked Camelot because I like the the King Arthur story, even though I never understood what the big deal with, was with Lancelot. Like, seriously, he comes in being like, c'est moi, c'est moi. He's like, I'm, I'm the shit. No, you are not, sir. <laughs> you are not the shit. Maybe that's why my mom didn't like it. <laughs> she wasn't a big fan of Chorus Line either, though. But, oh, yeah. was it the, like, content or just, I'm like, annoyed sure. by it? Maybe annoyed. Well, it was the only tape at my grandparents' house when I visited on Martha's Vineyard was Chorus Line and Dorf Does Golf. 
Hmm. And so I don't know why, because my grandparents don't seem like they would be into chorus line either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why it, maybe it just existed. Like I traveled there from the future and put it there for little yeah. me. So like, you'll need this. <laughs> this will spark something in you. Yeah. I don't know why it was there, but yeah, we, and then as I got older, we kind of differed my mom and I on our, our musical tastes, but she always took yeah. me. She continued to take me to to musicals and plays and stuff. So uh, I love a chorus line. I think yes. we talked about Dance Ten Looks Three. Yeah, it's my favorite song. Every it is so good. I got but to I, sing it in karaoke once. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I think I just love the idea of having to say tits and ass with musical theater intonation, being like tits yes. and, and ass. Yeah, and just like it's so like joyful and bubbly, yes. but she's just like my body was shit and I made it better and it's for me. Um <laughs> like the confidence of it is just yeah. such a wonderful song and just it. horrible for an 11-year-old to go around singing. <laughs> Come see the wizard on park in 73rd. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So I know as an author, what do you think about the way storytelling is done through song? I think there's strengths of building character through music. Yeah, I mean, I think that you got to get to the point a lot quicker. Um, and there's a lot more honesty uh, because I think in so many musicals, the character is like, they'll be like, and we're going through this, but who am I? You know, kind of looking off to the side, you know, so there's lots of like little soliloquy moments mm-hmm. where... You know, so I think you I think that the strength is there is that you're not sitting there just kind of like building anything. You're like jumping right right to it. So, yeah, the characters are saying, I want this. Yes, this is what I want. This is what I feel. I am feeling this way in this moment right now. Yeah. And let me tell you why. (laughs) It's telling, not showing. (laughs) (laughs) But it works. And it has its place. Yes. (laughs) Do you have any other? musical favorites that maybe we're not going to mention later um uh, my favorite of all time is Jekyll and Hyde I I just I really love that so much it is just funny because it's not even my favorite like literary story at all I mean it's good Mm -hmm. um but I I saw it first in high school with Chuck Wagner who is like one of my favorite Broadway dudes he was in Into the Woods too um Mm -hmm. and it's just such it's so amazing to see one an actor playing both of those roles without like any pause. Yeah. If you want to see a a mediocre version of it, there is a version of the Broadway uh, Jekyll and Hyde starring David Hasselhoff. I have seen. <laughs> you have seen. Okay. It's it's serviceable. <laughs> um, but especially the last uh, the song at the end, confrontation, where he's you know back and forth immediately you know Henry and 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 Jekyll um or Jekyll and Hyde just back and forth uh it's it's really just such a cool song and um just a a, just a great gothic musical and I I was just obsessed with it when I was a kid um and I got the chance to see it again with Sebastian Bach (laughs) so that was pretty amazing too um, awesome. Just a just a really neat one. Uh, that I was obsessed with that one, and then its sister musical, Scarlet Pimpernel, when I was in high school. So, uh, yeah. If if I wish they would make a a good movie of it, it's yeah. not David Hassel. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we have on YouTube. That is what yeah available to us, unfortunately. But also because there are different versions of it, mm. especially there's like a, sometimes you'll see it and there'll be a song called Good and Evil, which is a great song. But then it's a kind of other alternate song is called Bring on the Men, which is such a fun song just in a in a brothel, you know, bring on the men. And it's so fun. I did it in karaoke. It scares the care like the other year. It was so fun. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, I remember going through a giant West Side Story phase. I think oh, yeah. I watched it every single day of my seventh grade year. It's and I was obsessed so with Rita Moreno. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great. I mean, I, I thought it was so funny that for the longest time watching Twin Peaks, I had no idea that, you know, 
Riff and Tony are in Twin Peaks. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I remember um, the first time I watched Twin Peaks and I, I went to work and I was like talking to someone about it. And I was like, well, you know, the actors that play Riff and Tony and they're like, oh, did you not see the movie? They die. <laughs> I'm like, but they're in Twin Peaks. Yeah. (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) Yeah. Twin, oh my God, Twin Peaks would be amazing as a musical. (laughs) Yes, it would. (laughs) But yeah, I I left, uh, West Side Story was also one that I watched very young. That was probably one of the ones that the family could watch together. Mm -hmm. Like everybody could watch West Side Story. Mostly because, you know, whenever my brothers and I watched anything with a group of characters, we all assigned each other. You know, you're that guy, you're that guy, you're that I Of course, I got any uh, anybody's. And I'm like, why do I got to be the scrappy girl? Being like, let me fight with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I can see the energy. Yeah. Um, I am. What was Fair. I going to say? <sighs> I think maybe my only unpop. No, not my only. I was going to say my only unpopular opinion. I don't love the sound of music. I do. Okay. I was like, is that a... I can take it or leave it. That's not blasphemous. I don't, like, ever think I make it that far. I don't love children singing too much. It's very, like, child-centric for the first first chunk of it. Um, And, like, I love The King and I, but I'm kind of like, I just kind of want the romance subplots. Yeah. That's what I'm into. Mm -hmm. Like, I want, shall we dance? Mm -hmm. One of my all-time favorites. I definitely, for uh, Sound of Music, never, never been one of my favorites. Never understood why it was always played during certain holidays. I'm like, what are we doing? Um, I I was in the Sound of Music um, in high school, but I was Elsa, you know, the the, the first bitch. So that was really fun. Um, and she does, she has songs in the, in the musical. They're mm-hmm. annoying as hell, but um, they're just like all over the place. It's like, there's no way to stop. No, there's no way to stop. And, like, and it's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm supposed to be a bitch. Like, why am I all the way up here? Um, <laughs> but uh, it was really great because I auditioned for Maria, you know, obviously, but my friend Kristen, who was with me in show choir, she had never auditioned for a musical before, despite having the most gorgeous vo- voice in the world. Mm-hmm. And she was, she didn't seem um, shy in show choir, where we would go out and perform and do, she would do solos, but she was scared to be like in a play, I guess, a long form mm-hmm. play. So um, I encouraged her to audition. And, you know, as soon as she got up to audition, I was like, okay, well, I'm fucked. Like, there's there's no way. Like, she is Maria. She's the most beautiful, beautiful voice. And so uh, it was great because I got to be, like, her antagonist. Yeah. And, and, like, kind of be like, okay, you know, like, give, give her a little, like, sneers and stuff on stage. So it became, even though I don't like Sound of Music, it was a very fun play to do. That sounds fun. Although, and they kept at, having to tell me to sit like a lady. <laughs> I'm supposed to be like a like a, a baroness, and I'm just like spread out, being like, "Hey guys, what's up, Georg?" <laughs> they're like, "Jessica, you gotta lift your oh, Georg." <laughs> Sorry. Are you ready to talk about some books? Yes, let's do it. Well, my first, I was gonna say mashup, not a mashup. <laughs> Read a like a pick combination <laughs> is Heather's. Yes. Um, that I wanted to talk about. And I am pairing that up with The Honeys by Ryan Lasala, which is a YA novel that came out, I believe, last year. Yeah, last year. Uh, big similarity up top, I'm going to say, it is that both are titled for a group of girls, like a group of like popular, <laughs> ethereal, kind of like... Mysterious uh, girls. Mysterious girls. The Heathers. They just float <laughs> above it all. And they do. Fuck <laughs> me gently with a chainsaw. The Honeys is about Mars, whose sister Caroline has died under suspicious circumstances. And um, he has kind of decided that he is going to look into what really happened. And part of that is going back to the camp the summer camp that she was at that they both used to go to as kids but he left um because he was just having a lot of issues there he was gender fluid and it was just like a tough fit so he goes back and 
kind of has a plan. Her His sister Caroline was a part of the Honeys, which are like a group of girls that had a cabin by the apiary and they like tend to the bees and they're like, those are the Honeys. That's awesome. So he's like, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to get in here. I am going to infiltrate. I'm going to find out what is going on. He's placed in the in the boys cabin and again it's a tough fit with like the the rigid kind of conservative patriarchal system of the camp trying to kind of place him in boxes and it's just it's a it's a whole thing. But if you love a good like revenge story and how this like revenge story he thinks is just going to be one thing but it ends up being kind of this like bigger systemic problem that's like bigger than like we could have even imagined goes <laughs> right to the top <laughs> um i i really recommend it um Vibe-wise, different from Heather's. I'm like, Heather's, they do <laughs> they do take revenge on on people. I will say the vibe is is different, but we are going with <laughs> That sounds awesome. These are two properties about uh, groups of girls. <laughs> I love it. I think yeah. that's awesome. And and H groups. H groups. Honeys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Solid well, Teflon. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome book, though. I I really liked it. Um, Ryan Lasala has a new book out now that I just got called like Beholder and it sounds really good. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to get into that one too. Awesome. So that is Heather's and I paired that up with The Honeys by Ryan Lasala. <laughs> yeah. My, my first one is uh, I I'm pairing next to normal. Uh, that's the musical with full immersion by Gemma Amore. Um, there's, there's a lot of similarities, um, uh, between these books. Um, uh, Next to Normal is about a woman named Diana. Uh, she's a mother who struggles with bipolar disorder, um, and the effects that that disorder has on her family. Um, but it also talks about grief, suicide, drug abuse, questionable psychiatric methods. Um, and it has, uh, and the main character in Full Immersion um, Magpie has, has a lot of the same issues. Um, she suffers from depression, suicidal ideation, um, and she is taking part in an experimental virtual reality, uh, computer program, just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> a program to, to kind of figure out what's going on here. And, uh, during that program, this is kind of where it deviates a little bit, but during that program, she finds her own body own dead body and kind of has to solve the mystery of how she died this won't be the last book i talk about that is someone finding a copy of their own body um it was a big year for that i love this as a theme i know i really i love it i wish it was an entire genre um so there there are a lot of similarities here especially when um in full immersion, we're kind of given these little um, bits where she's talking to a child. We don't really know what's going on there. Is the child alive or dead? Is it figment? All this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, in Next to Normal, the mother is is literally hallucinating her son who mm-hmm. has been dead for years and years. Um, the son has a lot of control over her in that way. Just, you know, even gets her to try to destroy herself and, and all these things. So um, for stories about women who are going through it, uh, so to speak, and uh, really diving into, into their psyche, uh, there's, a, there's a song in, in Next to Normal called Make Up Your Mind that kind of felt like uh, the scene in Full Immersion where she's walking around the gallery kind of of her memories and it's, you know, make up your mind to explore yourself. You have stories to tell. We'll search in your past for what sorrows may last and make up your mind to be well. So it's kind of that that theme. And and also full immersion is awesome. Yeah. And scary. Yeah. And gross. <laughs> it's emotional. For yeah, sure. it's very, it's both, very I mean, both, emotional. Both things are emotional. There was definitely through the whole thing, I'm like, you know, wheels turning, trying to figure out what's going on there. And then at the moment when it kind of comes together I was just like well damn (laughs) and the ending is just so great so I love that as a pairing my next pairing involves small towns that get swept up when a charismatic figure rolls into town with (laughs) dark intentions 
Yes, I am talking about The Music Man <laughs> and Needful Things by Stephen King. So perfect. <laughs> oh my God. I could have also thrown the auctioneer in here. Um, I think, was Needful Things inspired by the auctioneer? Like that was a, an inspiration. I'm sure somewhere. Know. Anyway, I'm not sure at timelines and chronologically where that was there, but send Harold Hill and Leland Gaunt both sweep into the towns of River City, Iowa and Castle Rock, Maine, respectively and convince the residents that they have something that these people need. (laughs) In the case of the Music Man, uh, it is a River City Boys band. (laughs) That's how it always goes starts. That's how it goes downhill. (laughs) And, of course, Needful Things is about a mysterious man named Leland Gaunt who opens up an antique shop and, like, everyone who goes in sees, like, an object that they desire, like, more than anything. This causes, like, it just starts sowing chaos in the town as these objects, like, make their way out. There's, like, just people start acting really out of character. I love it as like a small town story. It's been so long since I've yeah. read it or even watched the movie. That would be I've a never good seen the movie. I saw uh, it once as a kid, but I think it scared me and never got around to rewatching it. <laughs> teach you important lessons, like be careful at antique shops. Right? I mean, but of course, I got to pair this up with you got trouble, 76 trombones. Yeah. May I have your attention, please? music man was one of those ones that like as soon as it started i was like this this might not be for me (laughs) it's one where i have like my select songs i'm like i love you got trouble you got trouble 76 trombones Mm -hmm. sadder but wiser girl um there's like my handful of songs i have those shows where i'm like and these five songs are the (laughs) my grandpa did love pick a little talk a little oh that's a good one that Mm -hmm. is a good one yeah, been a long time since I've listened to that. But it was like, yeah, it was never really one of my favorites. But that, you know, you've got trouble right here in River City is like the, <laughs> that's in there. That's in the gray matter for the rest of my life. John Philip Sousa. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm like hearing yeah. the music. Play. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> well, here's one that always, you know, was always stuck in my head is, is my next pairing is Into the Woods and The Stand by Stephen King. Okay. So <laughs> Into the Woods is, is a great uh, a musical all about different fairy tale characters. They're all kind of living independently. They got their own stories going on. And then they start, they're all kind of brought together in a way. So very much like The Stand, you have people living apart. Something happens. Um, people start moving, finding each other, grouping up for better or worse. Um, and then of course in the stand, you have Randall flag releasing the captain trips, um, and, uh, and Randall flags kind of, um, manipulation of certain people. We definitely have that into the woods. There's some, there's some clear good guys, bad guys, and kind of in between gray characters. Uh, there's definitely a, um, there's a scene between the, the big bad wolf and Little Red, which is so flag and Nadine that I just can't stand it. You know, the very oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> mother said straight ahead. Mother Abigail, what? <laughs> mother said straight ahead not to delay or be misled. I should have heeded her advice, but he seemed so nice. And he showed me things, many beautiful things that I hadn't thought to explore. They were off my path, though I never had dared. I'd been so careful, I never had cared. But he made me feel excited, well, excited and scared. It's just, it's so, like, should I, should I go with him? Should I not? So, um, yeah, but I think I, I there's a, in, in the stand where they're all searching for Mother Abigail or, uh, flag to go join their sides instead we have the characters in into woods searching for to break a curse of infertility or jack to find his lost cow there are <laughs> princes trying to find their runaway brides so <laughs> there's there's all these things that set people on a path to, to intersect and sometimes that helps them and sometimes it doesn't yeah also okay. yeah. m-o-o that spells milky white <laughs> <laughs> Could not help myself. You had to. It was right there. Yeah. 
Okay. My next pairing is about women singing slash writing about how they killed their partners. <laughs> My favorite genre. Yeah. I'm talking <laughs> Chicago and A Certain Hunger by <laughs> Chelsea G. Summers. Uh, so yeah, A Certain Hunger is Dorothy Daniels and she is in prison writing her memoir. She's currently like in prison for all the all the men she murdered in her life good for and her she's just kind of very like yeah she used to be a food critic she's very like matter-of-factly going through like and this is why i did it this is how i did it like i don't i don't feel remorse about this <laughs> this is just like the facts about how it happened love that for her um yeah <laughs> let's go girls um and of course i had to do chicago chicago i saw the movie in theaters i was young and seeing women do silhouetted chair dances and talk about how they killed their husbands um rewired my brain and entire personality and i think really made me who i am today i was like this is a pivotal uh piece of media and moment mm -hmm. for me especially you Catherine zeta jones you know? yes <laughs> <laughs> so good she was the moment in the 90s mm -hmm. like she was the it girl agreed yeah, I had, uh, I, I, that movie was, I, I had listened to that soundtrack my entire life and never seen any clips of the, of the stage show or anything like that. So I was just using my brain. So the movie, when I saw that, I was just like, yes, like, it scratched an itch. Yes. Was very much needed. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was obsessed. I remember in like in middle school, we had some project about Greek gods and Greek mythology, because that's, you know, in the curriculum when you learn about that. And I remember for my project, I had our group do like sock puppet cell block tango to talk about like certain yes. <laughs> Greek mythology stories. That's beautiful. Because why wouldn't you? Of course, if you can cell block tango, always cell block tango. Agreed. Agreed. And I took the shotgun off the wall and I fired two warning shots right into his into head, his head. <laughs> then he ran into my knife he ran into my knife ten times you know some men just can't hold their arsenic <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! he gosh. saw himself as alive and I, I saw, saw him, him dead, dead. <laughs> you dirty bum 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 <laughs> beautiful yeah. Uh, all that Veronica and Charlie doing number 17. The spread. The spread. Oh. <laughs> well, I was in such a state of shock. I completely blacked out. I can't remember a thing. It wasn't until I came to later. I was the blood off my hands. <laughs> I even knew they were dead. <laughs> it was just so much like rage yes. and sexiness. And I was like, yes, this this combination is a lot. I, uh, that was my audition. All that jazz was my audition song really? for a uh, show choir. I was going to do a Celine Dion song and my friend Calvin pulled me aside and he's like, shove the sheet music for all that jazz. And he's like, nah, -uh, here's your song. This is your song. Ooh. And I, yeah, I auditioned and I, I made it in there and it was great. I just, I, I did that when a karaoke recently too. Oh, yeah. I love karaoke, you guys. <laughs> I really love it, but everyone hates going with me because because you're good. <laughs> well, it's one of those things like everyone tries and they're like, ah. and then you get up there and you're like, actually good. I think it's mostly because I just sing way too much. I'm like, here's my new song, and here's my next song, and here's my next song. <laughs> Whether I'm good or not, I don't know about that, but <laughs> uh, you shared a clip of yourself singing karaoke. Can confirm. I'm just good at mimicry. <laughs> yeah. Uh I was listening to the Chicago soundtrack today and I'm like, no, all these are bangers. I love every single one of these. Razzle Dazzle, Funny Honey. Both Reach when for the Gun. Good, both is, Reach for the Gun. It's so good. Yes. When I was in high school, we used to challenge ourselves to hold that note as long as possible. It was so fun and my mom hated it on car rides. Me and my friends would just be like, both reach for the high. And like just hold it and be like, ah! Like running out of air and she'd be like jesus christ kids <laughs> all the way to new york <laughs> going to see a musical just non-stop 
Oh, well, she that poor woman. The out the window. She's like, yeah. Very patient lady. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my next read alike is Phantom of the Opera and The Worm and His Kings by Haley mm. Piper. So there, this is more kind of like a vibe thing where music is definitely a big part of uh, both uh, stories. Obviously, the Phantom of the Opera is a dude who's been living in the, the basement of this opera. You know, he's been shunned by society and, and whatnot. And he's just kind of a malevolent presence. Um, he's in, in kind of entrapped young Kristen Dye. Uh, after the the death of her husband or her husband for father um, and maybe even a little bit before that I can't remember how far back he starts grooming her with music but um, uh, he has he's kind of got his song wrapped around her heart and it's kind of informed her life in a way where she feels like she can't really escape him but you know he's going to help her also rise to the top of the opera um, with The Worm and His Kings, it's interesting because I feel like the main character, Monique, in um, The Worm and His Kings embodies characteristics of, of both Christine um, being lured down um, into, the, oh, yeah. you know, literally down into the under the earth following this uh, in, you know, the song that she is kind of getting wrapped up in herself the song that pierces the universe, that the worm will come and create a, wor a world without hate, a world without pain. Um, but she also embodies uh, characteristic characteristics of Raoul, who's going down to save Christine because she believes, you know, her, her lover has been, or her partner has been taken by the worm and is trapped down in this place. So she's going down to try to find her and, you know, faces all these obstacles and people that are trying to get in her way, this malevolent presence um, kind of on all sides. And so we see, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny too, because the place starts and ends with a song that kind of reaches through time as well. So we kind of see that yeah. book ended on the play, very much like the, the song from the worm pierces the universe and even changes time um, and remakes the world in, in a certain way. So especially this, uh, and I kind of thought about this, the line from the, the Phantom of the Opera, the song, where those have, who have seen your face draw back in fear, I am the mask you wear, it's me they hear, your spirit and your voice in one combined, the Phantom of the Opera is there inside your mind. So, and you have the worm song motivating and drawing people together to create the right music to bring the worm back. Oh. that's such a good pairing it's so funny because when I was I you know I reread a lot of parts of these books just to kind of refill mm -hmm. familiarize myself and as I was reading you know Monique going down into this underground layer I'm just like down once more then we go to the dawn of night. my darkest, <laughs> darkest dreams and I'm just like <laughs> oh my gosh I love Phantom um I my best friend in high school had the the movie, the like Emmy Ross and Bert oh, Hitler gorgeous. movie. We were obsessed. We yeah. would go to her house every day after school and watch it and of course sing along to it. Patrick Wilson is just the king of simps and I love him so much. Like he is just so, oh, but Christine, like I, I he's so beautiful and just. Which is so funny because I watched it and I'm like, okay, so if I'm in this situation, I have like some guy <laughs> in a ponytail and a guy who's literally obsessed with me. Um... <laughs> it's true. I'm like he's wearing a mask and he's singing to me and he's like got a shrine to me like he's literally <laughs> obsessed with me so I mean it's a fair when it, a point of no return in that movie is like yeah. sploosh yeah. you know <laughs> and then you song. they show Raul watching in mm. like horror and somehow that's more sploosh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I honestly I did not like I'm not a big um, 
uh, Phantom fan when I was younger. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber in general, not my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I was in my 20s, I saw the movie when I was shrooming. And... <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So I was. I, well, I was just at home and mm-hmm. I was bored, <laughs> and so I so I ate some shrooms, and uh, I was just looking through the TV and like that came on. It started, and mm-hmm. I didn't even realize how long I was watching it until like all of a sudden I like snapped out of it. Realized I was still sitting there with the remote in my hand, but the movie was half over, oh. and I was just like. I was just so incredibly like engrossed in it Mm -hmm. that I that I at that point became very obsessed with the movie and and the soundtrack and was listening to it all the time and also fell completely in love with Emmy Rossum yeah oh my god and had to you know watch everything she ever did so um and and you had to get her uh her albums and everything too (laughs) I I I love her songs. They're they're so sweet and like I'm working too hard. I gotta slow down. You know, and I'm just yeah. like you sing it, Emmy Rossum. Okay, for my final pair up, I went with two properties where the theme is sensing potential for darkness in someone you're attracted to. Ooh. I am talking Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, and Mayfly by C.J. Weed. <laughs> I knew Sweeney Todd had to be in here, and I know I could have gone so many cannibalism routes. There are so many cannibalism books, but I just <laughs> kept going back to A Little Priest <laughs> and that kind of like, do you get where I'm going? Yeah. <laughs> Seems an awful waste. <laughs> I mean, with the price of meat, what it is when you, when get, you get it, it. if you, if get, you it. get it. Good you got, got it. it. <laughs> um, Mave Fly is a, f- a fun, you know, fun for horror readers. I say like a fun, delightful story. Um, a very dark. It's on my TBR for sure. I've heard things. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a dark story. Essentially, Maeve lives in Los Angeles. She has her day job is working at a certain theme park as a certain ice princess. Hmm. And it's a job she really loves. Um, and one of her co-workers has a brother, um, a hockey player, who she's kind of starts like having feelings towards and you know, they kind of start hitting it off and spending some time together. And he kind of does a little like prodding and awakens some dark impulses in her. They awaken some dark impulses mm-hmm. in each other. Oh, there's a lot of like different aspects of the book, but this is the one I wanted to focus on with the with the Sweeney Todd, like Mrs. Lovett mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd pairing. Like, oh, are you? <laughs> you are? Me too. Yeah. Right. I mean, in Sweeney Todd, it is more like, isn't this just efficient? Isn't this just like so economical? It's mutually beneficial, actually. You get what you want. I get what I want. It's a great system. (laughs) You've heard the new like Josh Groban Sweeney Todd, right? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I would love (laughs) to see that. I would too. Well, I, I was talking to Nat Cassidy on it uh, when he was on, and I was like, I remember watching the movie and being like, ah, like okay. But I was yeah. like, oh, I understand Mrs. Lovett now. Yeah. I also, if I heard Josh Groban <laughs> sing yes. to me, I'd be like, wet wife, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I heard absolutely. stories. Crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so, what are you doing? Know. That's so crazy. I don't know what happened to her. Want to go to the sea or? By the sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, suddenly I understand Mrs. Lovett's character. I was yeah. kind of like, that's weird. I mean, you do you, I guess. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I kind of I understand. I had, I'd seen Sweeney Todd uh, on stage, uh, mm-hmm. so I got it. I got it there because I was like, okay, that guy playing him. He was a hot Sweeney he was, Todd. He was a snack. Yeah, and then yeah, the movie came out. And I'm like, eh. I mean, he's yeah, he is, he is yeah. <laughs> I mean, plot-wise, I'm like, I'm yeah. into this. I'm yeah, yeah. Into I was it, like, I like but it. But, like, 
It was, it, yeah, it wasn't as, um, it didn't give me what I was expecting, what I, what I was hoping for that mm-hmm. really like obsessed obsession that I should mm-hmm. feel. Um, yeah. but yeah, I definitely still had the song stuck in my head for years after yeah. that came out. <laughs> uh, my last pairing is definitely more of a vibe pairing <laughs> than, than any real plot elements, but uh, my final pairing is Repo, the Genetic Opera, and Maggots Screaming by Max Booth III. Um, yeah, the, the gross-out horror comedy is definitely featured in, in both of these properties. Uh, Repo, the Genetic Opera is about a, a world where people uh, buy new organs and whatnot. The, the most powerful man um, who runs the... I forget even the name of the, the genetics uh, place uh, and his whole family that runs it. Um, when people can't continue paying for their organs, they have repo men that go and reclaim the organs. Um, you have a grave a grave robber who's kind of like the narrator throughout uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. And uh, Maggot Screaming also has a narrator in that fashion who's speaking more to an unnamed you uh, than, than the audience, but still is narrating kind of the, for the audience. Uh, and Maggot Screaming is about uh, a, a father and uh, a son who are kind of trying to get over the mother being not in the house anymore, off doing her thing with uh, the father's best friend, former best friend. They decide to dig up her garden, and in the process of that, they find three corpses <laughs> that look like the son, the father, and the mother. Um, we brought yeah, it back. See, yeah, see, full circle. And I, I again, anyone who wants to write in this genre of finding your own body, go right ahead. We don't have enough finding your own body. It's a, honestly the, a really great um, story prompt. Yeah. Because it really opens up a, a wide avenue of anything. But uh, so uh, after they find their bodies, both the corpses they find and the actual characters start decomposing, um, just like. Uh, repo there's a lot of organ switching there's head swapping there's uh you know parts being cut off uh in repo we have zydrate which is a a chemical that is like a painkiller that a lot of the organ uh transplant people you know take uh in in maggot screaming they're drinking a lot of embalming fluid um, (laughs) using a lot of eye drops uh, so yeah, it's, it's more, it's more of like the grossness and the, the all out bonkers horror comedy. And, uh, this, I, I, I mean, I would say I definitely enjoy Maggot Screaming more than Repo. It, that was another one where I was like, this is like Repo the Genetic Opera sounds like my perfect vibe, but there's something about it that just, I'm not in love with. It's almost like the songs are a little too short. Um, glass vial? yeah a little glass vial <laughs> i mean that one is is the banger of yeah. the entire show um and then you have was it sarah brightman's chromagia or whatever is a really good one um but yeah the songs are a little too short for me they're not catchy enough except for that one grave robber grave robber um but yeah, uh, Maggot Screaming, highly, highly recommended if you can stand a lot of farting and... <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of like gross out. Yeah, you've learned a lot about the decom- decomposition process, though. Yeah. It's it's very informative. And There's they like a... go to the body farm. Yeah, the body that? farm is is seriously like one of the greatest things ever. And the, the leader, Dr. Wizenred or something, Wizenred is the the head of the body farm and they're really funny character. Um, a lot of the scenarios that are set up at the body farm are really fun. Um, there's something about the office theme song that I seem to remember as being a torture device. <laughs> but yeah, if you dig Rebo, you're probably going to dig Maggot Screaming. It's a nice, it's a quick read too. Yeah, it is. So I do. I love that as a pairing, too. (laughs) I know we tried to find something for a chorus line, Mm -hmm. but it would need to be because of the way the show set up. It's like every character is kind of like singing their story, Mm -hmm. like their 
their background, why they need this part. Yeah. And I, I think maybe, yeah, the closest thing I can think of is rules of attraction mm-hmm. where you will have alternating chapters of characters just talking about their wants, which is anything that, that all the characters in rules of attraction that they just want things. Yeah. So <laughs> they don't need anything is the whole point. Yeah. They're all, <laughs> they're all very privileged assholes. So they just want and want. Um, but and yeah, so maybe not as noble as Cora's line. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, yes. I was like, something that has to be set up kind of like The Bone Mother by David Dunchuk, where it's kind of like different, short, like interconnected short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. Thing. Also, I just want a horror version of a Chorus line. I do too. Like, like the lottery or something. <laughs> that would be so good. Like you yeah. go through the small town, everyone talks about like... Everyone has to audition instead of taking a stone. <laughs> Let me tell you why I should not be the person this year. <laughs> I simply have too much going on. <laughs> yeah. Gee, I hope I don't get it. I hope I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I didn't rehearse at all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. Somebody write that down. Okay. Yeah. That was a cool time. <laughs> we <Yeah>. need it. <laughs> I keep seeing clips about that Scream jukebox musical that's in like Vegas or something. What? And they all sing like 90s songs, like the oh. characters from Scream, like Sydney has a song and they sing like Backstreet Boys and it's like <gasps> Stu that's, and That's the commercial Billy. I heard. Okay. I was in the shower and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I kept hearing like people singing like, yeah, like Backstreet Boys and all these 90s songs. And it was like together for the first time or something. And I was like, what is going on? That's what it was. Yeah. I don't remember where it was. I said Vegas. I'm not actually sure. But there is a unlicensed Scream jukebox musical happening somewhere. And I keep seeing clips of it on TikTok. And I'm really jealous of whoever actually gets to go see it. That's amazing. Dang. Yes, please report back to us if you have. If you've seen it. (laughs) If you've seen it. Tell me all about it. Well, one of the traditions on the show is to ask our guests for a chilling obsession. So what is something you've been enjoying lately? Ooh, um, I just finished my rewatch of Fall of the House of Usher. Ooh. Yeah. You watched it twice already? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, last night I got to like the last 10 minutes and like, it was dark. I'd finished writing. So I was really watching TV and my husband had fallen asleep and I, you know, obviously I already watched the end and I was like, I am not, <laughs> I am not watching this end right now because the Madeline Usher death is probably one of the scariest things I've seen in my entire life. Like that, that rocks me to my core. It's like a scary thing. And uh, last night I was like, I'm not doing it because I know that bitch is going to be in my hallway. <laughs> She gonna be creeping up the end of my bed. <laughs> so I yeah I finished it up this morning and uh, I I really really liked it a lot. Oh, yeah. Um I I know I've I've it's I've seen mixed uh, reviews but yeah I, uh, I I think it's right up there right after Hill House for me. So really okay. yeah I I really loved a lot of the performances. Mm-hmm. I loved watching bad people get their comeuppance. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all that the characters are, I like unlikable characters. So mm-hmm. the characters were not that unlikable for me. Yeah. Yeah. They're evil yeah. and terrible, but. Meh. I love Kate Siegel in this. <laughs> oh, her, like great. Platinum hair. Great. Like, yes, this is a vibe and I am into it. Excellent. Uh, I loved uh, Henry Thomas. Did, mm-hmm. It was so great in this yeah. one. I mean, he's so great in everything. He's so underrated, but yeah, I loved him so much. I, yeah. I, I can't get enough of his character in this. I ever love this great. Yeah. One of the horror TikTokers I follow did like a ranking of like, which would be the worst death of all of them. She was like, it's between the mask of the red death and the pit and the pendulum death for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would, that would be really bad. I think it would really suck to get mauled by a chimp. <laughs> Yeah, it's and, fast, and dragged around because it looked like there were like That's things true. where she there was dragged. Prince. Yeah, it looks like she might have gotten whipped around that room. That would have been a bummer. Uh, <laughs> but in Pit in the Pendulum definitely sucks. But the house fell on or the building fell on him That's eventually. True. It didn't go That's all the true. way through him. It w- I mean, it would have sucked, but 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Mask of the Red Death is probably. He was alive for a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems yeah. like a slow. And then everyone and then to survive around... it. Oh, well, then everyone around it is like slowly dying. Yeah. And you could hear the, the wheezing and the struggling. And, and the, the wetness of it. The wetness. Yeah. Yes. The sound design on that. The yeah. sound design on that. Oh, yeah, but I loved um, in in the rewatch just catching a lot more of the mm-hmm. like the background ghosts, but also like well, I didn't really, see any. I was yeah, there for that. There are definitely a few where you just see something shift in the background. You're okay. like, oh, okay, um, especially like the colors that were used for each character and how oh, yeah. like they they all use things of that color. So it, I yeah, I really really loved that one. I love that. I did a rewatch of the, well, actually, first time watch of a lot of them, but I did all the Chucky movies, all the Child's Ooh. Play Chucky movies. Um, and I had a really good time with that. Bride is definitely my favorite. Interesting. But I really liked Curse and Cult, which are like the two most recent ones. And I had okay. started watching the Chucky show on sci fi. Yeah, me too. Like a year ago. And now watching Cult and curse and cult of chucky i'm like oh like the show (laughs) literally starts like exactly where it leaves off so there were so many things that i was like oh that makes sense that's what they were talking about that's who that character is (laughs) because i was like those those blinks were not filled in for me i was like i mean i guess we're doing this yeah i had no idea (laughs) yeah yeah, I started it too, and I really enjoyed it. I, yeah, I, I lost access to it before I could finish it, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Who is this? And I'm like, oh, those are that's all explained. That okay, it's it's part of it. <laughs> it is canonical. <laughs> I was more like, uh, when I realized it was Devin Sawa, and I was like, it like I was three episodes in, and I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> that's Devin Sawa. I was He's like, okay, yeah. and there's two of them. <laughs> oh no he's he can get it yeah always has <laughs> yeah so that's been my my chilling obsession i haven't seen those in in a long time i would like to it was fun those. yeah i definitely prefer like post bride like child's mm-hmm. play is good and like child's play two and three are like fine but i think like when we start getting into like bride of chucky mm-hmm. seed of chucky like it's just it has more it's more self-aware and it's yeah. having more fun with itself i it's love like, that yeah I, know I love when I a am. series reaches that point and mm-hmm. it's just like, look, we get it. <laughs> We're yeah. we think it's silly too. <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer Tilly's there, like yeah. of course. Yes. Queen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, the second tradition we have on the podcast is to ask our guests for a final girl song. Oh my gosh. I um so I, I had to go with a with a musical of course, for my final girl song, um, which I, I think it's such a, a great one, is uh, Midnight Radio from mm-hmm. Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Because you're literally like, you're you're broken down, it's the end, but <laughs> we're going to stand up and here's to all my, all my, all the women who came before me. So you're like, here's to Patty and Tina and Yoko, Aretha and Nona and Nico and me. <laughs> <laughs> And all the strange rock and rollers, you know, you're doing all right. We've got to hold on to each other. Just hold on tonight. So it's like a great like end of end yeah. final girl standing up with her sisters behind her being like, we're going to we're going to hold on tonight. Yeah, I love that. OK, I will be adding that to the playlist. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me m- pretty much most likely on any like social media account, like Instagram, Twitter. Well, I'm not really on. T- it's not even yeah, Twitter I'm like, anymore. I'm not, I'm not. You can find me there. Blue Sky, Threads. It's all at the Jess McHugh. Uh, TikTok as well at the Jess McHugh. Uh, my website is mchuniverse.com. So M C H U G H N I V E R S E dot com. Um, I, <laughs> I had to make it a song just so yeah. I could remember. Um, there's not, there's not a whole lot of, you know, getting in touch with me there. I have books and stuff. You can commission blackout poems. Um, I, I do blackout commissions from on hand books, but I can also go and buy books. Um, it's really fun because a lot of times people will give me, uh, like children's books and be like, yeah. make it as horrifying as possible. And I love <laughs> doing that. That's oh, great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so much fun. And uh, 
yeah so uh, i'm there um i'm at all the places <laughs> all of the places all I of the feel places this. <laughs> just yeah any we point, say tiredly just, like everywhere just... you'll you can find me. probably the, the the hardest place to find me is on facebook because i just hate checking it i do too <laughs> That's my least favorite. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> if you send me a Facebook message, I might never, ever get to it because I yeah. see that pop up and I'm just like annoyed immediately. <laughs> it's the only one though. Like Instagram, I'll get you. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> TikTok, I'll get you. But Facebook, I'm like, yeah. Oh, now I hardly check Twitter now too. Yeah. Like Twitter's been sending me emails. They're like, you have notifications. Please come to our site. <laughs> Please come check your notifications. All of my notifications are like, this person posted an update. I know. And, and like, I, I go and I'm like, that's, that's why I'm here. Get out yeah. Here. I'm like, that's Don't not relevant. <laughs> Do not perceive of me. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Well, thank you so much for coming on here yeah, and talking thanks. to me about books and musicals. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. It I seriously was. need to listen to musicals for the rest of the day. That's what I'm going to be doing for sure. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at Books in the Freezer. Uh, we're also on Blue Sky. I am on Twitter as Books Freezer Pod, but I'm really not spending a lot of time there at all. So if you really need to get in touch with me, that's probably not the place to do it. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com where you will find a list of the books mentioned in this episode as well as different ways you can support the podcast things from using affiliate links to buying merch or becoming a Patreon supporter on Patreon. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Instagram at that's what she read. And that is that's with two A's. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer.